Well, thanks for listening to the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, back again, LCR Naylor Taliaferro, here at Sync Live with more great podcast episodes, just one after another, meeting, networking, a lot of great people here in Atlanta at Pod Row, bigger and better um, than it was last year at Sync Live, where it all started. And I am finding a lot of local residents here um, that that are stopping by. That's that that's what I keep saying. Like Atlanta, I mean, Paul James from the Green Street Podcast says it all the time. Atlanta is like the the hub of so many things, and it's just getting more and more like that. So, having events here is just kind of makes it more convenient for people to get to. Whether you have to fly here, which is super convenient because there's always a flight to Atlanta, like a gazillion of them, <laughs> and out of Atlanta, or, or or maybe not out of Atlanta to wherever your destination might be. But there's always flights into Atlanta, and you, you can drive here from a lot of a lot of yeah. states close by that seem to be pretty popular. A lot of people coming from Louisiana and other parts of Georgia, so <clears throat> it's a very, very sure. popular destination. So <clears throat> I'm joined here by another local uh, Atlanta, hot Atlanta. Hot <laughs> Atlanta hasn't been very hot recently, but. <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yourself yeah, to the listeners. So I'm Stephen Greenwald. I'm director of construction for North Georgia Landscape Management and Georgian Landscape Design, which is our residential design build side of the company. Um, I've been in the industry about seven years. I had my own business um, until April of 2023 when I came over to NGLM. Um, so I'm director of construction here. That role is essentially focusing on our multifamily commercial opportunities and then consulting on our more um, intense residential kinds of stuff that we're building. And then we're also kind of new, new in the pool game as well. So I have a little bit of experience there. We have a guy on staff now that's far more knowledgeable than I. Yeah. Um, but I get to consult on some of those as well. Nice. So you, you did mention off air that you haven't done maintenance in a while, um, right? Yeah. Like lawn maintenance and all, cutting grass and all that. Yep. <clears throat> so what... what Go, go into that. Yeah. So I started my company. I was a, a department manager for Costco. Um, I was in my early 20s. I was moving up quickly there, but I was starting to perceive that I wasn't going to have the lifestyle that I wanted at Costco. It was weekends, nights, had a kid on the way, the first. Um, and I had a buddy that was doing landscaping at a golf course and he was not getting enough hours. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a mower and I have this trailer and we're just going to go see what happens. So it took off pretty quickly. I left my full-time job a year later. Um, the guy I started the company with, Trevor, got hurt, unfortunately, working. And he was kind of sort of in and out already. So it was time for me to make the jump and make the full commitment. And it went well. Um, I was on the truck mowing for about a year and a half. And then really started to perceive how challenging it was going to be to scale um, a maintenance company into something that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and I was also getting more interested in some of the hardscape drainage and planting side of things. Um, so about year three and a half, I sold the maintenance portion of the business and then focused solely on construction. Um, I didn't really have an education. I learned, I'd say it from YouTube, um, <laughs> trial and error and friends right. in the industry. I've yeah. got a few mentors um, that have been really good for me. It's kind of teaching me how to think and how to work through complex issues and, you know, I poured my first house foundation, having never poured any kind of vertical concrete. And it went great. I lost a lot of money, but I learned concrete. <laughs> there you uh, go. And opportunities like that in every aspect of the industry, I've, I've gone for them and taken every opportunity. Um, and it's, I've been able to develop a pretty well-rounded concept of outdoor construction, um, decorative and structural types of things. Um, and of course, you know, beautiful stuff. 
when you're new in the industry, you don't get to be the guy that builds the really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so there's always a component where I'm like seeking the next coolest project. Um, and we've gotten to build some neat stuff. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying like the pool side of things that we're doing. Um, like cabanas, gazebos, things like that are really neat to me. Yeah. I get a lot of opportunity for both like the, the really structural side, the implementation side, but also I'm a detail design guy. So any, in those types of projects, you have so many opportunities to incorporate really cool details into the design work. Nice. Um, so not getting to do a lot of that in my day to day, um, with it being mostly multifamily where our relationships are, uh, we're very blessed to have the types of relationships that we do right now. Lots of work coming our way. Um, but it's very practical stuff. It's, we have this drainage issue. We have like, there's no grass over here, you know, right. More practical application type things all the way up to, we have a failing 30 foot tall retaining wall. What do we do about this? Mm. Um, the other thing that I try to provide for our customers, you know, you'll notice in the industry, there's a tendency to, you get a request for a bid, you come in, you think, okay, if I bid what they really need, I'm going to lose to the guys that are bidding only what they ask for. Mm. I don't do that. Like, I'm not going to bid something that's not the best for my customer because we're about relationships and right. providing a good long-term relationship with that client. We're not about the cash grab. Yeah. So that is a challenge that I face. I would say kind of frequently is just, you know, I'm, I'm bidding the scope that no one even asked for, um, but it's the scope they need. So I try to lay out like a five-year kind of concept of like the value of this work over a period of time. And if you take it in the wrong order, you're going to spend 10 X or five times the amount of money that you would, if you do this properly sequenced. So that's been a big advantage for our clients. Um, I'll get with like, let's say it's like a gray star perennial property, something like that. Try to get with their director of construction or capital expenses, things like that. And just walk every property that they have time to walk and just really get a good list together of what the next four to five years on that property looks like. Wow. Um, I haven't gotten reports of savings yet, but I would guess we'll save them 20 to 30% over time right. with that kind of approach. Right. So Nice. So what, what kind of construction projects are you in charge of for NGLM? Yeah. So at this juncture, we're kind of new to tackling some of this stuff. So I've been drumming up, you know, mostly requests for bid that we get, but we had been passing those opportunities prior. Um, we just did a great remodel, like landscape renovation for a perennial properties uh, site in Atlanta. Uh, basically just reskinned everything, took a lot of trees out and then went back with a nice decorative landscape. Um, that one's in the final stages of punch out right now. That's been a cool one. It's been technically, it's not very challenging. I mean, it's all really simple stuff, right. very straightforward. Right. Um, from that project, we've had the opportunity to bid on one of perennials new apartment complexes and mm -hmm. we've actually been awarded the site retaining walls. So that's 29 different retaining walls around the property. Um, wow. And then we're currently in the value engineering phase of landscape and hardscape, trying to get those numbers to work. So nice. that, you know, it's that project will be our largest project by like 15 times that we had ever done prior, Wow! Um, which should be intimidating. I'll admit not intimidated by it. I might want to think about that, um, <laughs> but it's really, it's the same stuff we do every day. It's just on a big scale. Um, the numbers look really scary on the front end because you're looking at, you know, per piece, you're way lower, of course, than in a residential kind of setting. Um, you might be doing a retaining wall at 38 a square foot that in a residential application, you're charging 65 a square foot on that same wall. Um, 
within our vendors. Uh, we've got great relationships with Superior Supply and Site One. They really play ball on those projects. They want those projects badly. So yeah. that really enables us to then drop our prices and still make the margins that we need to. Um, so it's an exciting time. We're currently seeking out an assistant director of operations. Um, there's going to be more on like, sorry, assistant director of construction, more on the operation side of things. Right. Right. Um, right now I'm, I'm running all over the place. It's kind of nuts. We're right. like 70 to hundred hour weeks just oh, trying to man. hold it all together. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's okay. It's kind of, I'm used to it. Um, but I think that that'll get a lot better as we get somebody in. We're trying to find someone that honestly knows what knows the things we don't know. We want a seasoned professional in the industry, and we've had some awesome applicants so far. Nice. Um, so the goal is that they can do the running around, and I'll be managing these relationships with clients, right? Uh, presenting numbers and costs. Um, nice. So yeah, but to answer your question directly, really, we have a couple dog parks going on. We do a lot of dog parks. Um, at apartment complexes with artificial turf um, and a few, you know, dog toys, things like that. Yeah. Um, those are really easy to manage. We've got great crews. We've had the same guys with us for like 10 years, uh, ranging from seven to 10 years on all our install crews. Um, and then we have a really healthy list of subcontractors as well. Um, but it's amazing with those crews we've worked with the same guys for 10 years. Like I can go out to a job, line it out, give them a sketch or a drawing and come back when it's done almost. I mean, it's very direct. We don't have to sit there and hold our, hold our guys' hands. Right. Um, we just got the quality built in, expectation built in, um, and we do really well. It's been refreshing. Um, and actually, to backtrack a little bit, how I got here to NGLM last year, so actually year before last, 2022, my company uh, went in and did a lot of work for Jeremy as a subcontractor. Gotcha. Um, and during that relationship, I was kind of like, huh, you know, I could, this is probably the only guy I could see working for. Um, I'm kind of a, I'm not a lone ranger, but like, yeah, if I'm right, I'm right. And yeah, I'm not going to be the guy that does the wrong thing because someone says to, and yeah. Jeremy, there's never pressure to do that. It's always do the right thing first and right. we'll figure out the money later. Um, being able to approach every interaction with that kind of an attitude, I feel empowered to do my job. Yeah, um, it, it, so. it, it's almost like it it, um, it allows you to still have that entrepreneur mindset, right? That's Absolutely. why entrepreneurs have a hard time working for other entrepreneurs unless there's good leadership, you know? Correct. So. And, you know, Jeremy, like he's in a lot of ways the best kind of leader because if he realizes that he doesn't need to lead in that moment, he just steps back and he lets you do your job. Um, if there is a conflict, he and I are not on the same page. We have a conversation. Like adults do. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, we, just, we talk yeah. about the details and work out right. a solution. So right. it's really easy uh, when you have someone that trusts you. And that's been probably what I've enjoyed the most. I'm a person that I really care about doing things the right way and learning the proper way to do stuff. And with not having a formal education in construction or anything like this, like I kind of feel like oftentimes I have to invest a little bit more effort into learning the right way to do things. Um, and spending that time and energy on per, not perfection, but the pursuit of, yeah. um, and Jeremy really supports that too. Right. So that's been cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we built, I think we went in for like the whole summer. I had three or four crews just doing warranty work on stuff that he had kind of like one rogue crew a couple of years ago that just wasn't doing a great job. Um, and he addressed every one of those concerns and he, he selected my company to do it, which was, it was cool. We just got to, we got to do an excellent job in areas the projects were great and then it might be there was one problem point here 
So it was a good opportunity and actually funny story. Jeremy, that first day that I met him, he said to one of the other guys, he was like, that guy's going to work for us one day. Um, oh, you mean like when you were doing subcontract yeah, when work? I, the yeah. first time I met him. Um, <laughs> and lo and behold, he's spoken into existence. Wow. Yes. What, what, what about that? What made him say that? Like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm, I am good at what I do. I mean, I'm creative. I can look at things differently than other people can usually. Um, a good problem solver and well-spoken. So I think that he probably perceived those um, attributes at that time. I don't know. We, we're kind of the same people. Like we're just the same yeah. type of folks. Yeah. Well, you're, you're the third person that I've interviewed on, on from Jeremy's team, from, yeah. from your old team. And, and it's always the same. It's the same message. You know, you guys, one take one big takeaway is you guys are very passionate about what, yeah. what you do and wanting to deliver, you know, quality service to your clients, whatever yep. that is, you know, um, and all three of you had different, you know, interaction, di- different like levels of interaction with, with the clients, you know, your construction, then there's the maintenance and, you know, accounts. And so that there's, there's a lot of different variety there. And, and it seems like it's very, uh, the consistent message of, of the, the company culture seems to be right yep. to build a good team. And that's what we've been trying to speak into existence for a while now yeah. on, on our content to try and help everyone with some struggling times, you know, right. at times. I'm sure you guys have a hard time tr- or have or whatever of trying to find some people here and there compared yeah. to maybe years of the past or whatever. But it's all about being creative and, and the company culture really is, is, is what it's all about. I was going to say like culture, you brought the word out first, um, but that's what provides that consistency. The fact that we got three different representatives from the same company saying the same things without talking first. Yeah. It's culture is what allows consistency. Um, if you don't have a good, healthy culture with your core principles built in, you will not be consistent. Um, and that, that culture first focus culture is a word that gets thrown around a little bit too much. Probably. Um, if you really want to dumb it down, it's going to be, what are the things that are going to contribute to our success and let us operate from an ethical perspective in the way that we're going to be proud of at the end of the day or in 50 years. Um, so yeah, that's, that's huge. And we have weekly, I mean, not bi-weekly, multi-weekly meetings where we're talking about culture and what are we building and being intentional about what we're building. Mm. Um, you know, I think we see a lot of companies really start to struggle at different levels, you know, there's guys that really struggle at 2 million. There's folks that really start to struggle at 10, um, different levels for different types of the industry. Right. Um, and I think oftentimes in those moments, we lose sight of what's gotten us to where we're at and we become more reactive. And that was my experience in my company. Mm. Um, just trying to kind of hold on for all the things I've bitten off. And you really can lose sight of what got you to where you are. And it's mm. a super basic principle don't forget where you came from. But if you do, you're not going to build what you plan to. Um, and it comes down to that leadership, the redirection, refocusing, reminding what are our objectives, what are our goals here? Mm. Um, cause really like anybody can build a landscape company. Anybody can do a lot of what we're doing. Like we want something that we're proud of that we've built that we, the people we work with, and that, I mean, I love that too. The passion you mentioned, like this team is seriously passionate about this. Like I've scared people off before just in life. Cause I won't stop talking about landscaping or building things. Um, then I get to go to work and it's like, everybody loves talking about it. And the passion is there and it makes it easy. You can be having the worst day, week, month, whatever you get to work. It's really easy to put that stuff aside and just focus on work. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, 
Wow, those, that's that's some good stuff there for sure. Um, and, and I want to go work for Jeremy now. <laughs> you should, man. I, I'm sure we've got a role. We're growing like crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, everyone keeps inviting me to stop by and and, and check out check out your shop and your operation. Yeah. So at the very least, I definitely want to do that sometime in the near future. So that'll that'll be fun. I'm, well, I've got my excavator there, so we can play with stuff. There you yeah, go. Pick there up trees. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to bring your excav- excavator in here so you can help them scoop mulch back in there. Right. thing so they, they can because they want to dump mulch to like or not mulch um topsoil they want to right. use it for topsoil to show how easy it is but then they got to put the topsoil back in there and they're like they're gonna need gonna a reload conveyor yeah, yeah yeah but um that's funny yeah uh, well, that's just for the demoing purposes, you know, for, for this kind of thing. So they, right. they need to find a way to get it back up in there. But yeah. uh, so we need somebody local with excavator, I guess. But right. um, <laughs> um, at any rate, side tangent there. Uh, I wanted to ask, since you've been in this industry for a while and, and you also had your own business and now you're working for, for Jeremy or with Jeremy, I should say, really, I always like to say that, you know, when I talked about my team, like uh, um, working with me, not for yeah. me necessarily, it's just kind yeah. of a little bit of a different that's something that's always yeah. been big to me as well. I had an employee, Rob. He's no longer with us, unfortunately. But early on, like day two or something like that, he made he said it like, I'm really excited to work with you. And that jumped out to me that he used that terminology because it's terminology I've always tried to use with my team because it's what we are we're working together as a team. Right. Um, I don't pretend to be this guy that's important enough for any to, anyone to be motivated to work for me. Right. You know, this is right. for what we can accomplish together. So, right. Um, totally. That's Jeremy's approach as well. Yeah. There, that like embody embodies teamwork. I feel like by just saying working with, not for. For sure, that's right there. It's a, a a pretty popular, I would imagine, teamwork um, term. So absolutely. <clears throat> so with all that being said, what um is there like one thing that you can say that was helpful? for anyone listening to, to grow their business to however they want. And then one thing that was hurtful. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Yeah. Um, only hard question because there's so many answers. Right. Um, yeah. If I had to like really pare down to some principles, um, this is kind of a low hanging fruit one, I guess, but like having that yes mentality, especially early on in business, um, you got to temper a little bit, but yeah, you know, I almost never say no right off the bat about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still going to think it through, hear it out and at least pursue that option. Um, when it comes to scaling or growth, let's say years like, you know, you're proving concept years one and two, as with anything, you're just, is it going to work? We'll find out. Uh, if you have experience and you have some funding going in, then you can be pretty confident in years one and two. Years three and four, you're probably like really needing to stand on your own feet kind of thing. Um, and then year five is when depreciation punches you in the face. So that whole phrase about businesses make it five years, like that's the determination factor. It's not some like frou-frou kind of concept. It's literally just the realities of depreciation of assets. Um and that you're going to incur a very different business concept in year five or six than you would early on. So 
having that awareness as a newer guy, I think is really important. Um, and that it's kind of a double answer, I guess. It circles back into mentors. You have to find the people that are doing what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I'm heavily into motorsports. I love race car driving. Um, nice. And been a lot of that going around. It must be an Atlanta thing. Really, it's, <laughs> it's a big thing. Um, and it costs so much money. It's like obtuse how much money it costs. So really early in motorsports, I figured out like just with my resources, I'm never going to figure out how to get where I want to go yeah. in this world. So what I've done in that world is I, I literally attach myself to people and maybe they hate it. Who knows? But they're the people that are doing what I want to do. And it's the same. In so business. you're, you're drifting, <laughs> you're um, drifting with the people. <laughs> so I have done some drifting, um, but not or a lot, yeah. not, not, not drifting. What is it? What is it when you're, uh, when you're tailing behind them to, to, so that you're going oh, like shadowing, like, is, is that the term where, where like you're, you're like behind the car and you're both kind of like pushing yeah. each other through. So that, that's drafting, drafting. drafting. That's yeah. what I meant to say. Drafting, yep. not drifting. Drafting. Ooh, I Correct. know what drifting yes. is. Drafting. I tuck into the low pressure air pocket. There you go. And here we go together. There you go. Um, but like Mark Brumman is a great example of a friend of mine. He's a professional race car driver. He started at early twenties, a garage door company up in, I think Charlotte area. Um, and he's a guy that shoots me so straight it's painful. Um, like I'm usually offended for two days after talking to him day three. I'm like, Oh, he's right. Yeah. Like having those kind of people that have fought the battles you're about to fight. Right. They've made the mistakes that you're about to make. Uh, they've solved those problems. They've come back from it. Those are invaluable people. Um, I honestly would say that my, my natural tendency and curiosity for knowledge is my the, the most baseline thing that's contributed to my success and secondary to that are the people that have shared that information with me. Nice. Um, you can shortcut a lot, tons of, I mean, you can leapfrog years and years of education. Mm. Um, nice. So that would be like probably the biggest, the biggest thing that I would encourage people to do is really find that mentor, find someone that's doing what you want to do, not what you want to do next year, find the person that's doing what you want to do in five or 10 years and start building your organization for what, you want to be in five or 10 years and build that today. Toro is proud to sponsor the LCR media podcast. And right now you can save big on Toro equipment, get up to $2,000 off select Z master and grandstand mowers during Toro's preseason sale. These beastly zero turns can increase your productivity and improve cut quality, impacting both your clients and business for the better. Visit your local Toro dealership to save or click the link in the episode description. Hurry, offer ends February 29th. Process creation is another thing that we see lacking in this industry in smaller companies. And then you get to a certain volume and it becomes mandatory. Um, your processes are then far be behind your volume, the types of work that you're doing, and your efficiencies and profitability go out the window. And then you're reeling, you're trying to catch back up. You're trying to then build processes just to manage what's on your plate right now, but that's still going to have you behind as a net. You need to build for the future. Mm. Build to what you're going to have to be in order to do what you want to do. Nice. Um, and then I, I guess the inverse of that stuff is really the biggest risk, I would say. Um, I don't think there's such thing as being too risky, being too aggressive. That's all about who you are as a person. You better be ready to work 100 hours a week, 120 hours a week if you're going to if you're going to send it, you're going to go for it. Right. You better be ready to stick with it. Um, I mean, I, I sent it every day for five years and worked a hundred hours a week for five years and it didn't work out great in the end for me, <laughs> but, and I, I wouldn't do anything differently. 
Uh, yeah, well, it got you to where you are now. You know, you, correct. you got Jeremy's attention. So exactly. You and you know, the opportunities that I'm perceiving here, um, you know, I've got a five-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old and where I'm at in life today, this is so much better. Um, and it's something also, I'm such a person that like, I can't give up on things I've started. It, it's not really built into me at all. Yeah. So I will ride something all the way to the ground into the grave then i'll lay there with it as it rots mm. like so i never would have chosen to separate from the business that was causing me to work all the time um and destroying my family life mm -hmm. major health issues and emotional mental struggles that i kind of ended up incurring and it's been a good kind of recovery period and then getting to build on my platform my base of knowledge and grow without some of the stress that you absorb as an owner mm. um I still carry stress heavily because of, I mean, I feel like I, I have Jeremy's trust and that's important. I'm not going to screw it up. And he's exposing big risk to take on these really large projects. I mean, it's, it's the kind of stuff that if you do it wrong, it could tank a company. Um, and I really feel that very personally, having been an owner that had employees that really didn't care, a couple of bad decisions can take all the efforts of an organization and turn it into nothing. Um, so that's, there's still some stress there, but it's not the same. Yeah. Um, it's not the same as, okay, I got to, I got to pay 60 people this week so they can feed their kids. Right. That's, that's stress. That's yeah. real stress. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of different levels of stress, right? You know I mean? And, and everyone has different tolerance levels of stress yep. as well. So, yep. you know, you gotta, you gotta find what works for you and you want to push yourself, obviously, you know, some stress is good. I mean, just going to the gym and, and working out is stress, right. right? You're stressing your muscles, your, oh, yeah. your whole entire body, you know, your cardiovascular system, whatever, depending on what and how much you're doing, that's, that's stress. But if you overstress, then that's where you tear, right. you know, uh, damage, you know, all these things, that's not good. So you gotta, you gotta make sure. And, and some people, again, are genetically more gifted than others, just with the gym analogy, you know, they can really push themselves and stress themselves out. Right hardcore and grow really big with probably a lot of other added external right. sources as well. But, um, you know, some people can do all those external things that they want. And if, if they don't have the right genetics, they're only going to get so much and their body's only going to be able to tolerate so much stress. So that's yeah. just one analogy and example of just talking about the, the stress. And, you know, a lot of times people think like stress is bad. Of course, bad stress is bad. Right. But it means there, there's there's stress in everything in our life. It, it, right. It's what helps stretch us and strengthen us so that we can grow in all different types of way. You know, metaphorically, physically, yeah. spiritually, mentally, all that. It's just it's just up to us. Like you said, it's helpful to get mentors, people that maybe have wrapped their mind around that for themselves at least, and they kind of have a handle on it, and and they can maybe help pass some of those tips, you know, and and help some other folks uh, get through that as well. And then also really getting in touch with your with yourself and knowing what your tolerance levels are and, and right. you know, okay, like this business just isn't working out. Maybe I <clears throat> this is something that I heard on another podcast a while back that um not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. They'd be better intrapreneurs. <clears throat> right. I would I would argue you're a perfect example or a really good example of, you know, you were an you were an entrepreneur, had your own business, but just for one reason or another, things were just really tough, right. you know, and, and, and now you're an intrapreneur and you're, it sounds like you're crushing it. I mean, you're yep. definitely happier and Jeremy sure. seems happy and yep. the company is happy. I mean, I, I would imagine if you weren't crushing it, you wouldn't be here talking to me and you probably wouldn't even be working for Jeremy for very right. long. So, yep. um, so that, that, that's a good example right there. And I know a lot of people, I, I don't know how you felt. 
um, with that transition or that pivot, a lot of people might, that might add to their stress and their mental um, yeah. state of like, oh my gosh, I'm quitting, I'm giving up, I'm, you know, all these, all this oh. negative self-talk. Um, so that could be tough. And that's what keeps people in that situation too. And you're a good example of how there is another, another avenue. You're still yeah. in the industry, you're still doing what you love, but you're doing it in a different capacity and you're crushing yeah. it, you know? I mean, dude, I could do five podcasts on that topic alone, like just weathering a life change professionally. Um, it can, it's been the hardest, the last year of my life has been the hardest year of my life, I would say. And I, I have a background. I've got a history of challenge, um, overcoming struggles, rebuilding. And this was by far, I mean, the valley. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I got to points of hopelessness at times, like extreme hopelessness, but it's just showing up. You have to just show right. up the next day. Right. Um, and having support. And as an entrepreneur, you know, being in, I was kind of talking earlier, you might be in a really dark place, like really struggling, but you get to go to work with people that are focused on the same goals, provides you some breathing room and a sensation of support when, man, businesses that aren't going well, they're isolating. Everybody leaves and you're left with the guy that signed his name on everything. The guy that personally guaranteed everything to, to undertake this initiative. And right. that one guy gets to sit there and clean it up and you know, however it ends, however it exits. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was something I knew the risk of decisions I was making was financing everything, pushing for growth beyond our infrastructure, taking on opportunities that we really didn't have any business touching. Like I knew the risk was there and the risk was there. (laughs) Um, you know, we didn't get paid on a couple things and just a few small things turned into a really big landslide, um, financially. And then you stack onto that exhaustion and underperforming. And when you're living in, when you're controlled by stress, when, you know, I I like what you're saying about stress, like I have a healthy relationship with stress. I need it. Um, And you should be stressed in a number of scenarios. And to think that you don't get to be stressed when you've allowed scenarios to develop that should be stressful would be silly. So I'm running from cortisol. I'm not running from stress. Right. You know? Like right, I just right. don't want it to kill me. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it's a great motivator uh, from time to time. And really all that stress is, it, it can show you in a positive sense that you're a person that takes it really seriously of what you have to do. Yeah. What you should be doing, your duty, your responsibility, the life that you have, you know, stress and feeling the emotion of stress is actively choosing to keep pushing forward because you could just quit and then you wouldn't be stressed about it anymore. So in stress, you can actually find your, your hope and your drive to move forward because Mm -hmm. you know, even if every ounce of you feels like quitting and giving up, the fact that you're stressed about it means you haven't yet. And that's everything in life. That's not work. I mean, that's truly every challenge you come across. Drop right there, man. That was was Uh, pretty good. That's just my life, man. I've, (laughs) <laughs> all sorts of little things like that, that I've had to learn to survive sort of, and yeah. to keep pushing. Like you can go to this place of failure where you're really afraid to think that you should push going forward, especially when you've got kids and a wife. And it's like, I chose to be aggressive and all that's done is limited my ability to take care of them. Um, it starts to seem unintelligent to really push for big things or big opportunities. Um, Thankfully, I just, I get bored with things that are easy and simple. So <laughs> that didn't really happen to me, but there was a time, like a couple month period where I just, I truly, I sent it to a couple people. I want to go hide under a rock for a month. 
Like I would gladly lay in a cave in the darkness for a month mm. um, just to not have to face that choice. You know, do I keep going or do I quit? Right. Um, eventually, I, I thought I was quitting. In reality, I was pursuing my next opportunity. Um, and that's just, dude, that principle of like just showing up. You have to show up because as with the gym, if you think that you're going to work out for a week and see results, you're just lying to yourself. If you think you're going to see real substantial results in a month, you're lying to yourself. So why would it be any different with trying to renovate your life? Right. It, it should be longer. It's yeah. a more complex process. So finding finding comfort and peace, as I call it, in the fire, I remind myself, like, I'm, I'm built for the fire. I'm built to literally sit in the fire and burn. And there are people that are built to get out and wait for the fire department to get there. And... I can enter into really tough things because I know I'm going to survive by the end of that and I'll probably be stronger for it. And we will have accomplished our goal. Other people, they do just need to wait and that's okay. Not everybody should, you know, load their plate so heavily and like really allow themselves to take a lot of stress. It might, it might limit their functionality. Yeah. So, and back to what you were saying about the transition, something popped into my head about, you know, opening and closing doors, like you have to close one door in order to catch what's coming in the other door yep. so that it doesn't pass you by and yep. doesn't just blow right through into the next door. So I think that's really sure. critical. And, um, you know, we, we can't, we can't, we can't overextend ourselves and, and do multiple things and have two doors open and just create a, a passageway and we miss out, you yep. know, so you gotta, you gotta end and start. You gotta, you know, beginning and an end, end and a beginning, fin you know, all, all these kind of things. And also there's a really old movie. I don't remember what the name of it is because it's it was a lot. I was like a really young when I saw it. But there was something at the very end for some reason really stuck with me. Um, and it was like the narrator at the very end after like the kind of like the screen kind of darkened and credits were coming up. You know, the, the narrator said, this is not the end. This is not the beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning. And I thought that was very interesting as well. So that's cool. Yeah. So I've, different chapters in life, you know? Yeah. There's this, I tell everybody about this. There's this book called the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. It's, it's a philosophical book that's been pretty transformative in my way of thinking and renovating my mindset. Um, you know, I'm, I come from a history of substance abuse about 10 years ago and I spent time in AA and things like that. And the principles there are, you know, you're really worried about today, focus only on today in this moment right now. That's a much bigger principle than AA, you know, focusing on where you are right now is truly all that will contribute to your success. Yeah. Um, and when I say, I don't mean don't have plans. I don't mean don't have goals that of course have big plans and very big goals. But if you are not living in this present moment, you will not accomplish them. Um, because your goals are literally the summation of all of your little moments together. Um, and I think that when we think about accomplishing really big stuff, building a large company, taking over an industry sector, whatever that is, we try to attach time to it. And then that becomes an expectation. Um, and then the way it feels as we go through it is somehow relevant to us, which it shouldn't be. So we're taking these metrics that are more so about like our sensation of what's going on and less rooted in fact of the scenario when the reality is we should be focused on whatever it is that we have right now. If there's a mistake that we can learn from in the past, we do that one time, we apply that to our future. 
if you start daydreaming about the future, it doesn't get you there. So you're right. basically just living in this fantasy. Right. Um, you so you back. return to what is what is here purely in front of me. Um, and a lot of that comes, I'll only pontificate on this for a few more minutes, but the ego <laughs> time. is the thing that will kill us, man. Like our egos, I, I didn't have a proper definition or understanding of what ego is, but it's your perspective of yourself in the past that you think is relevant. It's what's made you this cool, great thing. Um, that others should be impressed by. So when I introduce myself and I go through and I talk about Costco and I talk about all this stuff, that's what I think lets you know who I am. Um, it's irrelevant, by the way. Nobody cares. Right. Um, <laughs> people do care. <laughs> yeah. But it's not very relevant today. Right. You know, you have your knowledge that you've gleaned, you have your experiences that you've learned from, and that is what is useful in the past. Um, and then you start to look to the future and what we tell people about the future, what we tell ourselves about our future is oftentimes escaping the pain of right now, what we perceive as pain. And it's also trying to, again, prop up other people's opinion of you. How should they think of me? How would I like them to think of me? And all you're doing is you're presenting something for everybody else that is not you. It's who you were and who you want to be, not who you are. And we spend our whole lives dealing with that. It's where anxiety comes from on the future side and it's where depression comes from on the past. Mm. Um, we are creatures that are designed to live purely in this moment, um, make all of our initiatives and focuses lasting yeah, and essential, important, big I, in this moment. I love that. Yeah. L literally like I, something that I heard a while back was really eye opening, and, you know, I've always kind of, subscribe to a lot of these things just i think by default i, I mean i'm sure i was influenced in certain ways and with life experiences but like more recently it's like like the only thing that's real is right now you know what i mean like the past is gone yeah. the future isn't even here yep. so like literally you know if you if you really think about that like what you and i talking right now is the only thing that matters it's the yep. only thing you're talking you know that's like people talk about being present in the moment and all that because you know, that will reduce your anxiety if you're in present in the moment. You're not thinking about what could, coulda, shoulda, woulda in the past and what could pot potentially be in the future and all this stuff. And you could lower your unnecessary negative stress and anxiety and all, all these things by just focusing in the moment, being present. You can, you know, not miss out on a lot of things, obviously, re yeah. have really engaging relationships and meaningful moments and all that. So I I, I love what you're saying. Yeah. It's, I'm on the same page. Good good stuff. Hopefully, Absolutely. Hopefully the listeners can take something out of that too. Yeah. I, and man, like this is a great opportunity for me, actually. I'm like kind of afraid of stuff like this. I, a, I kind of wonder if what I have to say is useful or helpful to people. And then I'm also just nervous of talking in front of people. Yeah. Um, but I also have this desire and drive to help people and I've started to perceive it as I've kind of figured out a lot of the stuff that was like killing me, like really, truly killing me. Um, and these options are there. They're escape routes at any level of a really challenging scenario. Um, and it comes down to just getting people information and also be, you have to just try stuff. I mean, I literally was trying everything. I was on medications. I started different supplements. I mean, if, if somebody on that I was researching, if someone said saying this mantra 10 times in the morning will help you trust, I said it. I mean, I, everything aggressively seeking to renovate my life um, and make it what I want it to be. And we're not there yet. I don't think we ever will be, but that's okay because right. I'm now enjoying the process. 
And that's the goal. That's the whole goal is enjoy the process. Yeah. And that's what's going to allow you to accomplish. But in reality, what you accomplish doesn't matter very much. It really doesn't. Right. The end goal isn't is isn't as um the end goal isn't gonna help you grow. It's it's right. the actual growth. It's yep. the growing, it's the doing, it's the thinking, it's the you know, taking action, it's it's all the trying new things, all that stuff. That's the growth. And and I always been saying recently, if you're not growing, you're dying. Every living thing grows in some way, you know, yep. nature, everything in the, every living thing grows. And when it stops growing, it's because it's dying. Mm-hmm. So if you want to live a long life, think of ways to keep growing. Yeah. You know, of course, as we get older physically and mentally, we may not be able to grow in all the same ways and the same capacities, but there's still little things we can do, even with our business. You know, it doesn't mean we have to buy new equipment every year. Maybe we just have to, you know, uh, raise our prices or restructure something internally or do this or do that, or, you know, reduce some equipment maybe to be more efficient. And that's a form of growth. You're now growing in profitability and all these different things. So there's so many different ways people think of growth as just like always like grow, like in size and, you know, bigger, grow your, the amount of money you're making, grow the amount of people you have, grow the amount of equipment, grow this, grow that. There's, that's just one way of growth. And that kind of growth gets a lot more people in trouble than, than, than helping in a lot of ways. Totally. So. It's distracting more than anything. Yeah. It's, it's sporadic. It's random. Um, this is something else. My cousin, uh, Robbie Cleary, owns a landscape and snow removal company up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, he's been doing it like 10 years and he's like 23. He's killing it. Um, we were talking recently. He's at a point where his company's probably going to expand they're doing around 2 million. They're probably going to jump to like the 10 million range in the next two years. Um, and we were just talking about like, what is he doing to get ready for that? A big thing that I learned, a principle of business that I learned in the way my company went was always having the vision of your exit. When you build a company, it's with the exit in mind. So you're always building a company that you can exit at certain points. So you have like a one-year exit, a three or five and you build that such that at those times, it's going to be worth something. It's going to present in a way that is sellable and valuable. Um, but as you get into those times of business, maybe you don't intend to exit for 20 years and you're okay with that. And maybe you have funding in the bank to know, okay, we can cover all these costs, whether we're profitable or not. It's okay to kind of deviate from that exit mindset and just focus on growth. And like you said, that growth can look very different. That might be that you're doing 5 million a year, you're only gross or you're only netting like $300,000 off of that. It's all this work and craziness for nothing, basically a break even enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not sellable. No one's buying that. No right. one's giving you remotely your value right. um, or what you would perceive as your value. You can take that same scenario, reduce down to 4 million a year, probably increase your profitability via efficiencies up to 800 a year or a million dollars a year and sell at that level. And having that can go up and down. It's a sliding scale. Right. And it's, it's a principle that just you can apply to everything. Um, but knowing the different opportunities to improve your business, you're still growing it, even in the mode of a reduction. You are still growing your net worth as a business owner by reducing the size of that company. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's nice. very true. There's yeah, growth is a funky one, man. It gets you in the most trouble. And of course, it. Yeah. It enables your future. Yeah. Well, I, I think you've done a fantastic job, and I think this episode is going to resonate with a lot of folks. I think your passion to help people pushes you through the uncomfortableness of speaking in front of people. 
So I think it's yeah. a I think it's a winning scenario. So just keep up the great work, man. It was awesome man. having yeah, you I really on. Enjoyed it. Yeah, it's Absolutely. good meeting you and having you on. And um, I look forward to connecting with you guys um, in the future. Maybe stop by the shop, playing with some stuff, yeah. hanging out, making some YouTube videos for old time's sake, yeah, and yeah. having a good old time. Yep. All right. I dig it. Thanks, awesome, man. man. Thank you to the Toro Company for sponsoring the LCR Media Podcast. This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production.